It's a little more difficult to talk about Galaxy 2 versus 1, because Galaxy 2 is... Well, let's just cut right down to it. Galaxy 2 is an expansion. Now, no, nothing necessarily wrong with that. Uh, this is not the first, nor is this the last time, that Galaxy, uh, Nintendo has decided to release a game that qualifies as an expansion, but they market it and sell it at the price of a new game. Whether that's a good or a bad thing is going to be up to you. I don't mind as long as the expansion's good. I didn't care for Lost Levels, but this is awesome. And we could say the same thing about several other games. We could say that about um, Majora's Mask, for example. We could say the same thing about uh, Link Between Worlds, to use a similar example. Uh, going on the Marioverse, just about all of the new series, the new Super Mario Brothers, new Super Mario Brothers Wii, new Super Mario Brothers U, a new Super Mario Brothers uh, 2... All of those are all expansions, uh, kind of of each other, but mostly of Super Mario World is the same general approach and style of, of how they design those games. Which is fine, I like all of those games, to varying degrees, of course. So it, it's up to you to decide whether or not this is acceptable. That being said, I do think Galaxy 2 does one thing very important and very well, and that is the fact that it has wonderful level design. It does exactly what an expansion should. Oh, sure, Galaxy 1 had a lot of great stuff, and if I was to sit here and just list all of the great stuff that Galaxy 2 does, it would look very similar to the list of stuff from Galaxy 1, so I'm not going to do that. I am going to mention in several ways how it is distinct from Galaxy 1. What's interesting is the most obvious thing is the one that has the least impact. There's a level select, like an overworld map kind of a thing, instead of a hub world where you walk around and enter things. But in terms of practicality, this changes nothing whatsoever. It, in terms of the practical aspect of gameplay, it alters nothing, because you can still skip over levels you don't want to do, skip over individual stars you don't want to do, multiple stars are still packed within the same level, there's still the comets which still alter them, there's still different paths to progress forward depending on the route you want to take. It, it's not really any different, it's only a difference in presentation. Now normally I'd say, well, the difference is the story elements, if you could call them that, how different it looks, relatively speaking, to have uh, the, the observatory which slowly fills up versus the overall. But the thing is, both kind of do the same thing there too. Don't mistake me, Galaxy 1 has a better story, bar none. Uh, Galaxy 1 has a story. Galaxy 2 has a lot of empty text. I'm going to talk about that in a moment too. But the only real story element to Galaxy 2 is the visual progression we go through. And I do love this. In World 1, the area looks like, like we're in high atmosphere, and you can see the planet in the distance. World 2, you're in the solar system, and you can see the different planets throughout the course of the solar system. In World 3, you're in a nebula, like a, you're just out into outer space at this point. In World 4, there's the galaxy rotating in the background. World 5, there's galactic clusters, just all sorts of mini galaxies all over the place. And of course, World 6 is the giant black hole of doom, which is where, uh, the supermassive black hole, which is where Bowser is making his new thing. That's really cool, very well done. The music is excellent, the presentation of this is excellent. It all adds to the flavor as you're going through, but Again, it's not really different from the observatory, because they did the same thing with the observatory. The visual presentation of the areas and how they were stylized to indicate the type of area they were, and how more people showed up and more lumas showed up, and the music changed over time. All of that was the same general presentation of visual continuity and audio continuity as the game progressed, to show you that you were getting further into the game. You start off in this simple area, you end up in this massive area, right? Same concept. 
So I, <laughs> I point this out because most people who talk about the differences between Galaxy and One Galaxy do bring that up first. But I, I mention this because it is practically the same thing. Different, but same execution and in many ways same presentation. But I mentioned story. Uh, empty text is really what I want to talk about. This is something that, uh, it's, it's a relatively recent term to the Lorium thing. I don't even come up with the term. It's a great term, though. It really helps to describe the concept of when you sit and you talk for a long period of time and say nothing. Go ahead, get your jokes out. It's okay. I, I've got the big target right here on my face. But when you speak for a long sentence to say very little, that is empty text. Empty text also qualifies where the text is completely unnecessary. Imagine if, for example, you're watching a show and then someone gets shot. Ugh, no! And then someone else says, oh my god, you've been shot! That dialogue isn't really necessary. We, we kind of know that they've been shot. There's, there's a lot of gray when it comes to this. Empty text is usually when it's pretty obvious that it's unnecessary. This game, Galaxy 2, has a lot of empty text. Way too much dialogue that says absolutely nothing. If you watch the intro, for example, Bowser has this huge spiel where he talks for about 10 or 5, 15 seconds, something like that, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a decent amount of text for a Mario game. You know what he says? I'm big, and I'm kidnapping Peach. That's all that's conveyed there. And you see the problem? And that's constant. The giant purple dude, uh, Lubba, I think his name is, the, the large Luma, he has the exact same problem. Oh, hey, it looks like there's someone new who's decided to join your area. You should go talk to them. And he'll just... And it, it, it drifts into forced tutorialization territory, which is awful. Especially since this game is so clearly aimed at people who are already familiar with the thing because it's an expansion. But I know it's not necessarily an expansion, and tutorialization is a thing, but the catch is you could do great tutorialization. In fact, this game does. Not quite as good as Galaxy 1. I think Galaxy 1 did the, the subtle tutorialization better. This game still had several good examples. I don't have liquid on my desk. I'm just going to drink straight up Dayquil. That'll, that'll help my throat. <coughs> Sorry about that. Decided to get some water. <sighs> if you... You get the Yoshi right off the bat. And very quickly, it's very quickly, you, you use the Wiimote, you, know, you, you, you go, and you hit someone, and you eat them. And then the next level has the spinies. And if you try to do that, the spinies, they just turn into a ball. And if you grab them, well, then you get a completely new reticle thing, which is like, hey, and if you hold still for a second, it'll actually tell you hit B to shoot, which then shows you how to shoot the thing. Not the most brilliant tutorialization ever, but very quickly and efficiently, you realize that you can eat things that, and you can eat things that you can't swallow and use them as ammunition, which is something that shows up in several levels thereafter. Another good example of this, there's, this is a really bloody subtle bit. There's a part where you have to stand on platforms to lower them in order to allow chomps to progress. It's a bit further into the game. So how do we tutorialize that? Well, first we have a straight platform with several platforms on it, several of the lowerable platforms, okay? So you may or may not jump on those, but the only way up, there's, there's two, well, there's two paths to go up this ramp. One is a ramp you cannot get up unless you are a speedrunner or know what you're doing. Okay. The other ramp is lowerable platforms. So you are effectively forced to jump onto those platforms, and now that you see that they lower things to your weight, you know now, now know how to do that, and you now know what to do with the platforms back on the original platform, that those were now lower. That's a, that's a much better example of the tutorialization that's in this game. Because by doing that, you've effectively forced the player to understand the concept, 
And that's what tutorialization is all about, is getting the player to understand how the game works so they can then put it together, right? Which Nintendo is king at. I'm, I'm sorry, there's so so much good tutorialization in Nintendo games. Another good example of this, this is really a minor one. I'll bring this up and then just move on. During this one level, there's these rocks. Some of them are kind of scarred and brackish. Others are completely clean. There also happen to be giant lava hippos, don't ask, moving through the area. So the, they will periodically hit the brackish ones, and that's how you know which areas are going to be hit and which areas are going to be safe. Just little stuff like that. Now, one of the other things this game does differently than Galaxy 1 is it's not quite as innovative. It actually kind of pulls back on the 3D gravity mechanic a little bit in favor of far more 2D or 2.5D things. But here's the catch. It really polishes the level design. I cannot gush enough about how much I love the levels in this game. Um, they're so... It's just... It's joy. It's joy walking through and being like, oh, so this works this way and this works. Iteration. I've talked before about the value of iteration and how iterative game design can be a good thing, depending on the circumstances, obviously. Uh, obviously, sometimes you want to innovate and sometimes you want to iterate. Uh, looking at you, Pokemon. But iterative game design is when you take something and say, well, how can we add on to this? Usually not a big chunk. It's just like one step off. But they do that for everything. The, the gravity flipping mechanics and the slide mechanics and the flight mechanics and the shooting from the thing and the disappearing platforms and the lava sections and the frost section, the ice skating. Everything that was in Galaxy 1 has been iterated at least one step in this game, which leads, of course, to some of the gimmick stages. And I wrote down some examples here. Uh, there's a lever that turns a, a water world into ice, which changes the, the, the functions of how you progress through it. There's something where a planet will slowly expand with water and then shrink back and down to land and then expand to water. There are some enemies that literally eat away at the floor. There's the clone Marios, which, by the way, got a positive by itself. I love the clone Mario thing, and I'll talk more about that one in a second. Uh, there's rolling snow over the lava, and consequently there's lava that smashes onto snow, turning it into a temporary damaging area. There's uh, gravity arrows in the background, indicating where gravity is at any given point in time. There's the slow-mo switches, which was added for this one. There's the lava waves, which, which change whether or not someplace is safe or not. But I want to go back to that Clone Mario thing really quick. I love the Clone Mars in this game. It's, it's my favorite mutator of, of the Comet levels. And I love the Comet concept in general. Because the whole point of a Comet level is, well, here's the level. We're going to do a few careful, creative changes to make it harder. Not by giving it more enemies or more damage or any of the boring things, but by, say, removing parts of the terrain or giving you a timer or giving you the Clone Marios or making it so you only have one HP. You know, stuff like that, right? The Clone Marios are awesome because they follow your movement exactly. Now, what I mean by that, and this is really important, let's say you're on a falling platform, and as a result, you jump on the platform and then you start to fall down. So the clone is going to do the same thing. The platform's not there anymore because all they're tracking is your location regardless of terrain. So you can actually control where they are. And this is what I love so much about the Clone Mars and why I gush about this specific gimmick so much is because you are in total control of how difficult they are. In fact, as I said on stream, with, with very careful design, and one of the boo levels is like this, what's in front of you is dangerous and what's behind you is dangerous. But wherever you are, as long as you're careful about it, is safe. And that's the challenge of it. You are in control of where the danger of the Marios is. And so, like, you're on a narrow platform, so you just kind of start doing this. 
and you have to plan for being able to tra backtrack, so then you start going back on the other side. Just little stuff like that. It adds a layer of tactics to the platforming, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. There's a lot of other things to gush about this game, of course. The music is phenomenal. Oh my god, I love love the music. That favorite song I mentioned was finally in Galaxy 2, so yay, I wasn't completely losing my mind. I, uh, I have several of my own Cordance mixes of this game because I really enjoy the music in this one. The I, I do have to share one thing, and this obviously is kind of an asterisk. The controls are worse in every way than the Switch version of Galaxy 1. They're less responsive, they don't seem to track quite as well, and the waggle can go to hell. Now I want to talk about the waggle. Now, the waggle is not motion control. I want to be very clear about that. Motion control. There is motion controls in this game. Motion control is like when you've got the ball. And so you have to lean in order to change yourself. You know, super monkey ball, right? The flight thing is when you lean this to, to change how you're zooming around or whatever, right? So that's, that's, that's motion control. Waggle is this. Now I want to explain why I hate this with a, with a fiery passion. Reason number one. It's almost always tacked on because you have to do it because they insisted on it. And this has actually made several legitimately good games worse simply by its inclusion, looking at you, Donkey Kong Country Returns. The second reason is it's imprecise. The exact moment of the waggle is not necessarily, is always not always going to happen at the same point in the waggle. And in a game where you're trying to be precise, that's a problem. Problem number three, uh, frankly, this hurts my wrist after doing this non-stop, especially since the waggle is something you do constantly in this game. Because it's what you do if you do the spin or launch or using the rolling ball or whatever. It's it's effectively the Y button. Oh yeah, that brings me to the fifth problem. It is a toggle. It, this is a button press. This could be replaced by just the Y button. Now, I've said that for years. When I looked into emulation on the Wii, I noticed that waggle is replaced by a button press which was probably the closest thing to definitive proof I had until Mario Galaxy came out on the Switch where the waggle is a button press. Because all waggling does is trigger a binary thing. It's not like this, which is an analog tilt forward, right? There's no button to, to, to lean forward. If you did, what you'd have is uh, the opposite analog. I, I can't remember what it's called. It's not binary, but there's a term for that. Where... And, and some games have this problem, where there's forward, which is all the way forward, and then back. But that's still binary, as opposed to this, which is actually motion control, right? I'm explaining this terribly, because I suck at this. This is why I'd be a terrible teacher. But I hope you at least get the point. Uh, so, this is unnecessary, because it's just a button press. Hang on, i got two more things to complain about the waggle. Complain about the waggle, because it will waggle just from moving it casually. I demonstrated this several times on stream on purpose. Just settling down or adjusting your arm, will have you go And remember, this changes your arc of your jump and how you move and your momentum and everything. If you ever watch a speedrunner play one of these games, like Mario Galaxy 1 or 2 with the waggle, you'll notice they sit very, very precisely with their arms basically locked. I'm not up, it's usually down, but I'm showing so you can see it here. And they just lock in like this, so that way there's no unnecessary movement, so they have no accidental, like, I'm just going to relax my arm, oops, I just jumped down a pit kind of a problem. The final reason is it doesn't always trigger. Sometimes you'll you'll do this, and I also demonstrated this on stream, and it just doesn't happen. There's there's no there's no input, so it just was all nothing. This is the biggest reason why Galaxy 2 is worse than Galaxy 1, in my opinion, and that's of course a very recent change because just last week is when Galaxy 1 came out on the Switch. 
Whenever Galaxy 2 is ported to the Switch, those problems will go away. Which leaves me with the level design. I, I, I feel like I've already made my point about the level design, but I want to reiterate this point because it's extremely important to me. There's just a smooth flow of fun going through and seeing what new ideas they have. I, I got the very strong impression that a group of people sat down and just sketched out ideas. Why don't we have rotating platforms that have increasingly larger gaps in them but also, as you're going through them, there's enemies which stay on them and, you know, that kind of thing. Why don't we have an area where there's a series of small little asteroids? You can jump from them. Each has their own gravitational field, and you can maneuver around them in order to dodge the enemies that are coming. What if we do a thing where there's going to be a lava, or excuse me, a waterfall, and later on there's a switch that turns the water into ice so you can jump up the waterfall. And I feel like that's just how most of the level design was made. People just coming up with it would be cool ifs and somehow making them into action. This is another reason I call this an expansion of a pack, because expansion effect is clearly in place here. Um, expansion effect, is, for those of you who don't look at the Lorium's thing, and I do try to you know reiterate this stuff periodically, is when the same team working on the same product that they have now figured out, you know, they know what they're doing now, then goes and makes new content, and the new content is higher quality than the previous content. I'm sure you could think of dozens of examples of expansion effect right off the top of your head, because it's really, really common for an expansion to be, in some methods, higher quality than the previous work. You know, most of the Blizzard games qualify, and Everwinter Nights would be on that list, Oblivion with Shivering Isles, etc. You get the idea. So I feel like Expansion Effect is on display here. I will say this. The one thing I haven't really talked about yet is the story. Um, I, actually, I have talked about the story and how the Galaxy 2 is absent a story. I did some digging. I couldn't find anything codifying that Miyamoto is the specific person who said, no, really, screw this stuff. What I found instead was something a little more nuanced than that. And I want to share that with you, if you don't mind. Uh, there was a... Uh, an interview by, I can't remember her name, who was talking about how she felt hesitant to write some of the story of Galaxy 1 because she felt like it wouldn't be accepted. That, I think, is closer to what's actually happening here. That it's not a person who binarily bangs a gavel and says no story when it comes to Nintendo games. I think there is a pervasive atmosphere of keep that story out of our games in Nintendo games' uh, development offices and that discourages people from trying to actually develop the story of their games. And I do think Miyamoto is, at the very least, partially responsible for that, if not primarily responsible for that. I know that sounds like the same thing, but I think it's, it's a more accurate take on what's going on. It is, of course, just my opinion. I don't actually know. I'm just a viewer with it. Wait. <laughs> I don't have much else to share about this one. It was an absolute joy to play through. I very much enjoyed this one. I will also say one other thing here. I feel like 100% in Galaxy 2 is less aggravated than, aggravating than 100% in Galaxy 1. So that's one other d distinction we can give here. In Galaxy 1, you had the purple coins, which... Whew, man, that takes a while. <laughs> in Galaxy 2, you had the green stars. Green stars were basically... Uh, I, I want to say hide-and-seek, but that's not quite right. Basically, you have to go and find... I keep saying basically. So basically, basically, you have to find a green star hidden somewhere in the world. And you get a little bit of a hint on where it is, and you go and you find it. And that's that's the extra challenge. It's the same levels, 
but you progress through them, you find the green star, cool. Usually it's a bit shorter, it's often substantially harder, and of course you have to find it in the first place. And I like that type of challenge much better than running around gathering a hundred coins. Looking at you, Mario64. Either way, I don't have any big questions for you this time. You, a lot of you answered what your favorite 3D Mario is. Uh, for those of you who haven't got, given this game a chance, it's worth picking up if you already have a Wii available. But I would probably go ahead and wait for this to be ported to the Switch, because statistically speaking, this is probably going to be ported to the Switch. It's just probably not going to happen for a few months, because that's just Nintendo's habit. Fingers crossed. I'll see you next time, guys.